So on a scale of one to ten, how out of character was Spock acting in these two episodes? Not at all. He was wonderful. I loved it. Yeah, because see, Richard, in Requiem for Methuselah, he (laughs) was drinking brandy and acting like he had emotions. And in The Way to Eden, he was jamming with space hippies. And really, both of those things don't seem very likely. I'm going to say, this: the, the first episode in particular seemed like, I mean, I just picture this kid who's, you know, reading The Tempest for, you know, high school class, and he's, you know, a huge Star Trek fan, and he falls asleep, and this is the dream he has. Like, it just, it makes no sense, but it kind of has its own internal logic. It's just a little warped version of what we know about the show. I kind of loved it just because of how bizarre it was. And I feel like with the two episodes that we watched this week, Requiem for Methuselah and The Way to Eden, both were were pretty good up until about the halfway mark, and then they just collapsed. Well, And they, yeah. they both collapsed, I think, for similar reasons. I think Requiem for Methuselah starts out with an interesting premise. Mm-hmm. The actor who's playing Flint, which I love that name, by the way, uh, it, it is so like 1950s tough yeah. guy. And, you know, it, it, he, he, he has this really interesting speech about the bubonic plague in 1334. And, you know, the implication, of course, is that uh, I, I'd never seen this one before. Yeah. Um, I mean, I picked up immediately that he was supposed to be actually alive in 1334 because I mean, based I, on the title number one based but. on the title and also based on the fact that i have seen television shows before yeah exactly and that was a fine note because it's what you know reminding him of that is what causes him to want to help the people yeah you know and it, i and i think that you know when they get to when they get out of the the i'm going to attack you get off my planet aspect of it which okay they just needed something to yeah. get them out of the teaser uh, and to make you want to come back after the credits, because most third season episodes don't make you want to come back after the credits. And they're in his house, and they're you know uh, Spock is finding a lot of really interesting you know uh, uh, unknown Da Vinci paintings and, and unknown Brahms sonnets <laughs> and all kinds of things, and it's very interesting. And I find that aspect of the mystery intriguing. And I wish that the episode had done more with that and less with the female character Reina because we've seen androids before we've seen androids develop emotions before in this series it doesn't tell us anything new about anything Mm. and if you're going to go in that direction I think that's fine but they 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 avoid or obviate the obvious idea which is to parallel her development of emotions with Spock and they, they don't do that. And so I feel like in both of those cases, they kind of went in really, they went in the most boring direction that they could have gone in so many ways. I mean, I, I, I did not think that they would go to, well, he was Brahms and he was Shakespeare and he was Da Vinci. I didn't think that they would go there kind of I mean, where, that's, where that's... I thought this would be was that yes, he had been there the whole time, but he was, you know, a friend of Shakespeare and a friend of Da Vinci's and, you know, that's why he has all of these paintings because, you know, you know, Da Vinci gave him a gift of the painting, like that kind of thing. That I think would have been a bit more interesting. And it's completely nonsensical. But, you know, yeah, that he would have – I mean you, you assume that he's immortal and then he just has – and the implication is he has so much time that 
he is going to spend, you know, you spend a century doing something, you're going to get good at it. So it's just through sheer repetition, you know. But I guess what bothers me the most about this episode is that Flint has no motivation to do what he does. So many of the episodes in this third season, the evil guy is evil because the script needs a villain. And I think it would have been much stronger if everything had been just a, I don't know, just more of a character escalation rather than... The conflict felt extremely artificial. No, I agree with you. And I think a a large part of the setup for the episode, like, I mean, it basically makes no sense in that respect. Because if if Flint just said, oh, cool, okay, you guys need some right talent, go get it, and then leave. Yeah. They they wouldn't have found out about him. They wouldn't have found out about the fact that he had been alive for uh, 6,000 years. None of this stuff would have come out. They they probably wouldn't have even entered his home. And it just seems like... You know, maybe he was trolling them. I, I really don't know what yeah, to make of it. Yeah, it's one of those, he keeps them on longer than they even need to, because he says, you know, oh, will Harvest, he's like, oh, no, my robot will build it, you know, will do it faster. Then when when he harvests it, um, they basically say, oh, well, we can go back to our ship and process this. No, no, stay on. He'll process it faster, but... They were happy to leave at that point. Yeah, yeah. Um, even, I mean, he's 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 basically fucking with them. And, yeah, and I, I was it clear whether now the Rytalin that they the Ritalin, <gasps> um, <laughs> that they process that has this MacGuffin thing wrong with it. I think they said it has some iodine. I, I don't there's know, some. There, it, it, it's it's in, it's not pure. Enough. Right. You know, I I can. Ex- that's fine. Yeah. Um, we have no problem with that. That's whatever. Yeah. Um. Was it? I never. I didn't get the. I I didn't get whether they were implying that Flint, you know, kind of gave them the wrong Ritalin or whether it was just a total fluke accident because the situation seemed ambiguous. It seemed it could go either way, but I— Yeah, no, that's a good point, and I don't honestly, remember the episode made that clear. I don't think the episode knew. Like, I don't think the script knew, and that's a problem. And I was going to say that whatever it is completely— changes it because you know obviously kirk and everybody assume immediately oh that's you know he's doing this to trick us or he's doing this deliberately and if it if everything is just a misunderstanding he is protective of you know this what what's her name reina Reina. he is protective and a little jealous of you know of reina's affections towards the handsome starship captain i mean that's a fine conflict right there that's all you need that is you know but and it seems it seems strange to me though because you know at the end of the episode it's set up that uh, you know he's left the protective fields of Earth or whatever and he's long, no longer immortal and he's going to live a normal life. Okay, that's fine. Again, that's whatever. Uh, and the the implication there, I mean, maybe they even make it explicit. I didn't I'm not sure any of that. Well, like his, that it's sort of his a, immortality turned off because the episode was ending and it would make it. it it's irrelevant. I mean, it doesn't it doesn't really matter. They, they didn't need to bring that up in the first place because he could have been immortal. Who cares? Um, the the interesting thing is, I think at the end of the episode, they they do make explicit the idea that you know Flint is lonely and and Flint is is making uh, uh, these androids because he wants companionship, but but he doesn't know he doesn't really know what sort of companionship he wants, and he can't make a, an appropriate android to yeah. love him, and that's all fine. Again, it's something we've seen before in the show. I don't think this puts a, a new or interesting twist on it in any way, but it's the third season. You take what you can get. My problem with that is that Flint 
seems I mean they don't really make it clear because the 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 prickly loner who is really alone and lonely and one's company is a, is kind of a stock character in fiction and I don't think they sell that enough I I I think yeah. that Flint should have been grumpier and should have been pricklier and should have been won over by them instead of having i mean honestly really really bizarre reactions to their presence yeah uh, i i think we because again his motivations make no sense they don't know how this episode does not know how to write its premise and it just kind of falters and see i i uh, the thing is this is written in an ext- the ending is an extremely disturbingly misogynistic thing, which kind of okay. So they have this character Reina. She is, as it appears, it, it she's an android. Now she is, you know, hyper intelligent, extremely beautiful. She is the perfect woman and everything, except she does not have emotions. Now Kirk comes, and for whatever reason, that stirs her emotions. Okay, he's dreamy. Okay, um. And that gives her the ability to love. Um, so Flint is, you know, Flint is in this ironic situation of he has been desperately trying to get her to love him, to love in general, and it finally happens, and it's to another man. Now that in itself, again, is a fascinating conflict. Okay, you can do a lot with that, but. They just kind of make him one second he's nice, the next mean, next nice, the next mean, and they just can't... The episode doesn't know when he's being sincere or not. Yeah. But anyway, so this is happening, and they are essentially fighting over her. And she has this realization, no, I don't want you to fight for me. And she's about to say, I love both of you, and about to go into a, you know, you're the handsome starship captain. You're really, you know, you're sexy as hell. You're very charming. You're very suave. You know, you, you know, that's nice. Uh, Flint is, you know, a mentor to her, is, has taught her everything he knows, has... I mean, really, sure, you know, more, more of a father figure. Yes, but he is still extremely important to her, and she does feel a genuine, uh, 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 you know, love for him. And that's fine, too. And they're about... And even what happens is she's unable to handle the emotion, and she fucking dies. Instead of where I wanted this episode to go, because... She begins to say, you know, I choose where I'm going to go. I'm going to choose who I can love. And it needed to go with the doll's house ending of her saying, look, I've just gotten these emotions. I've just figured out, you know, I have all of this experience and this knowledge and I'm just learning what this is. I need to see outside. I need to figure out, you know, now that I can love people, how can I use my superior intellect to love people? How can I help that's where she needed to go. She needed to realize she needs to have as many experiences as possible. And that would have been a wonderful ending. That would have been, you know, this jealousy complex is stupid. That would have been you can't treat this treat a, this person to be property. That all of that would have been a great ending, but they fucking kill her off because they can't follow through with that. Yeah, and I, I, I mean, I, I do agree with you that that would have been a better way to end the episode, but I, I wonder You would have if, had to have fixed the well, trail to get there a little bit, but she, I think I, that would have been a nice ending. But I think my question for you is, is that a realistic ending for the show? 
And that's the problem because, because, uh, you know, the original series that doesn't strike me as the kind of ending that they usually go for. And yet it sometimes trickles in because, again, remember the couple of weeks ago, uh, 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 the woman that Scotty falls in love with. Remember where they basically say, "Okay, well, lights of Zetar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that that was the ending of that. You know, she's able to keep her career and, you know, keep the relationship. And they are able to figure out the, that compromise. There are – there have been a couple of instances but remember, the, but, the Romulan but, commander is – But a- remember in that episode we had that discussion about how female characters in the original series are written by men as opposed to women. And Lights of Zetar was was the episode that was written by uh, by, by the Lamb Chop uh, lady. Oh, yeah, that's – yeah, Sherry and that's Lewis. true. And, and this one is written by Jerome Bixby. So – I guess I really wish that this episode came from. I, I, I wish this episode. I wish the Jerome Bixby would have written that ending. I yeah, think I but I appreciate that much more. I think that it's. I understand your point. Yeah, I think it's unrealistic to expect a man to write that kind of ending for a television show in 1969. Uh, you know, it's one. Uh, yeah, it's one of those. I understand, given the social context. At the same time, I am going to dock a triple or two off for that ending. Yeah. That's I guess that, that's I guess how I view it. Like I I understand the provenance, but at the same time, it's 2013. I think that you know you have to look at the show in its historical context, and I'm not so concerned about the ending just because I don't think that the episode itself is all that strong, and I don't think no. the episode earns the ending that it gets. It it you know I certainly see your point. I think yeah. that the ending as it's written seems more of a cop out to me than anything else. And and that. that yeah, because wh- whether just, whether or not she dies, or whether or not she becomes her own woman and, and goes off to to Helen Reddy, the universe, I, I, you know, I, I don't, you know, either way, it seems it's not it, like we care about her enough. Of course, well, that's the thing; she's not a character. But and that's and that, I mean that's a problem, of course. But but I mean, again, the, the the episode, her not being a character is part of the plot of the episode. Her character arc is that she, at the end has this realization that she has not been a character, and it is her getting to be a full-fledged... Again, a stronger... I, I, I recognize I have to critique the episode that is there, but yeah. I also critique the episode in terms of it's very obvious to see a stronger episode, which takes that part of her and makes it more of a strong arc for her, well, where she does get begin to develop more of a personality as it goes on. Frankly, I thought one of the reveals was going to be that she had tampered with the Rydalin to keep Kirk around a little more. I guess, but I I just, I don't, I I can't see that in the episode because she, again, she's not a person. That's it. Again, keep this as a, the the running theme of season three has been, this is a first draft. I want to see a second draft of this. Yeah, sure. I agree with you. I mean, let's take this a step further though, because of course um, she, she is one of many models of Reyna and, and, and the implication, I mean, the ending is very muddled and I'm not really sure what exactly uh, we're, we're we're supposed to make of this in reality, but it seems to me that uh, uh, there have been many, many Reynas, all of which have tried to develop emotions and died, which would have been an interesting reveal, I think, as well, but they don't actually explicitly say that. See, I got more of the sense that they had just been drafts, that he kept on for a while, but weren't 100%, so he kind of turned them off and began work on a new one. And I I, I didn't get the sense that they were bodies, they were just, like, turned-off robots, essentially. So he was was trying to create a planet of androids-like... 
No, no, he was just iPod. trying to make one. It's just every everyone sucks. So he's like, yeah, I don't need the surround. But at the same time, what are you gonna do with the? Sex? Why? What are you gonna do with the body of your sex bot? You're, you're not gonna throw it out. So you just kind of put it in the secret room. Like, Why number them then? I mean, it just seemed weird to me. Oh yes, you're right. The guy living on the planet by himself, you know, making a perfect woman is not weird, but numbering them is weird. I. Like, that wasn't where I started to get creeped out by this guy. I'm going to be honest. I mean, I'm, you know, do you remember the show Small Wonder? Unfortunately. She struck me as Vicky from Small Wonder, basically. I don't remember Small Wonder that well. It was a show about a a guy who worked at a robotics company in the 1980s who made a robot daughter. I I mean, that's basically. And she kind of looked like her. I don't know. It was just an offhanded comment. I just find that very strange. The episode just doesn't know what it's doing. Again, it's a first draft. It could have been a stronger... This season is a could have been. Yeah. What do you what do you make of, of Flint, though? Because he is... We've talked somewhat about him. He's kind of on the outside of his own episode. And yeah, because... Well, his motivations are so unclear that he's not an effective villain. Yeah, that's. He, I think that's the problem with him. And 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 the reveal at the end that he, of course, is all of these people. I mean, they said that he was Leonardo da Vinci, he was Shakespeare, he was Merlin, and Merlin. Okay, like it. It just seemed like they were coming up with lists of people for no reason. Yeah, and, the, and oh god, what doesn't he mention somebody else that he knew? And I'm like, okay, like. Can you give me a list of people you weren't? Because right. that would be a little more like, were you Beethoven? Okay, no. All right. Did you know Beethoven? Have Although you know- in an, in another draft of the script, contrary to your opinion of this episode, there actually were previous drafts of this episode. Yeah. Uh, he was supposed to be Beethoven as well. And and Spock was supposed to show appreciation uh, uh, for Beethoven more than he was for Brahms because of Beethoven's mathematical, ma- mathematical, yes, good, mathematical, uh, 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 ability to create music so you know, there is that i don't fall well i do i want to talk about spock i know we do i know we desperately well want to i talk i about spock. i, I Are have we ready one, to talk about spock i have one more thing i want to say about flynn and then we can move on to spock i find his 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 complete lack of uh, uh, ability to know exactly where his powers are coming from to be problematic as well because it really mm. just comes across as magic and it comes across yes. as we need him to do something right now so he's going to do it whether or not it makes any sort of internal or consistent logical sense in the episode because at one point in the very beginning of the episode Kirk calls Scotty and says you know put the, put the phasers on this spot and then he says you know what if you don't let us collect the right talent, we'll all be dead, and then people will come down and get it. Your call. And then at the end of the episode, when they find the the robots and all this stuff, um, Flint pulls out his magic little wand or whatever and just kind of, like, makes the Enterprise shrink. Yeah. And that's <laughs> just... It was kind of... I mean, it was a, it was a cool optical effect, but it, it doesn't make any sense. You know, all we needed... How could he do that? All we needed was a line saying how he was, you know, 6,000 years ago. This light from the sky said that he was a very interesting and smart person, and they wanted to give him time to do these great works. And, you know, Spock reasons, oh, it must have been an advanced civilization gave him this immortality. And it's stupid, it's a hand wave, but that would have just 
taken care of that. Well, I don't think it would have taken care of it. I, 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 I mean, and he. Well, again, I don't. The episode I don't... doesn't give him a defined motivation. It doesn't give him a divine, d- defined power. Is he just needs to do whatever the next plot point is in either case? I, I disagree with you. I think that the episode works better without giving him an explicit origin because who cares, really? Right? That's not, that's not the point of the episode. It's just there to get us to this place. So his immortality is really immaterial. And where it came from is immaterial. My problem is I just don't get how he does the things that he's doing. It's totally, I get the robot, like whatever. He built a robot. We've seen robots before. Um, it's just, I just magical I, tech. I just feel like it would have been a, it would have been better if he had done something else. Do you know what I mean? Like if he had just, I don't know, short-circuited their communicators or something. It just seemed to me like it was a little too... It, it, it was hokey, basically. It was into... And it's... Well, I mean... Uh, and episodes where that's half ha- happened have all been written by Robert Block. So yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. Well, we can let, let's talk about Spock now. See, it doesn't really surprise me that this, you know, this incarnation of Spock, because this is a slightly different incarnation than normal, doesn't seem out of character that he's so into music because we have seen him play before. Yeah. And it is. It's. And we will see him play again very is, soon. Oh yeah. It is not at all uncommon for scientific people to be very into classical music, as you said, yeah. because of, you know, the mathematical, the patterns of music. I mean, if you read Douglas Hofstadter, you have a total science geek who is totally into, you know, music composition sure. and, you know, playing an instrument, Sherlock Holmes and the violin. You know, that that's a – I didn't have a problem with that. But then I didn't have a – but then you have things like he – I get that he loves Brahms and can recognize something in the style that he would have written, but that he would have recognized Brahms's handwriting at a glance. Like that, you know, can he recognize a, see a Da Vinci painting and say, you know, with reason, you know, reasonably that, oh, this is, you know, in the style of Da Vinci, this is as close to, yeah, yeah I can it, it, believe it, that. It takes, but. it takes Spock over the falls from being an extremely smart and well-educated person to being a robot basically and i think that's a problem because we don't need spock to be able to identify every little single bit of information that he ever finds it it just it seems way too crazy to me again it would have been enough if he said you know this is a manuscript it says it's signed brahms and it sounds like a brahms composition you know as far as i can tell you know you know, this seems yeah. like some. You know, that's weird. You know, again, he mentions. You know, the the brush stroke isn't. You know, it's signed Da Vinci, and it, like I can accept that. I don't need to have him confirming the authenticity of the signature, particularly because in a little bit, the you know Brahms himself will admit who he is. The other thing that's weird about Spock in this episode. Well, there's two more things that are weird about Spock there's in this episode. There's a lot episode, of things but, that are well, weird about Spock this week. Let's take the first one first and the second one second because that seems to be the most logical, logical. way to put it. Uh, is that he says that he's feeling an emotion and that emotion is envy. Now, that kind of comes across as a joke, but it doesn't really seem like something that Spock would say ever. Uh, that is a problematic part of the episode for me. Well, see, I'm not sure if he legitimately means that he. I, I, I. 
it's stretching a bit, admittedly, but I could interpret that line to be meaning he's academically understanding jealousy because here are these paintings which a a lost Da Vinci painting, a lost Brahms symphony, a lost Shakespeare play, that would be such a treasure to the world. You know, if any of those were found today, it would be amazing. It should be shared. Spock is a scientist. He He is very interested in the in research, in the in understanding, and spreading knowledge. And so maybe he feels a bit of envy that, you know, uh, Flint is able to appreciate all of these things. Again, he doesn't yet realize that he's painted them himself. Yeah. He, which is kind of weird that he's just hanging his own shit around the place. <laughs> like, he's made kind of a monument to himself, if you think about it. Um, well, wouldn't you if you were 6,000 years old and did all this cool shit? Uh, no. I like to live very simply. Okay. Um, I, I guess, uh, and and again, that's stretching it a bit. But again, I kind of interpreted to mean he understands envy in the abstract because who wouldn't be envious of having, you know, an undiscovered not only one undiscovered Da Vinci painting but all of the undiscovered Da Vinci paintings? It's it's surprising, but it also could. Spock is so overwhelmed by this. Yeah. Put yeah. it that way. I mean, this and, is... And Spock is so infrequently overwhelmed. Somebody who has studied Brahms to the degree that he recognizes the signature yeah. is going to be overwhelmed by finding a lost piece of it. I guess that makes sense. I yeah. can buy that. What I can't buy, though, is <laughs> the very end of the episode. Oh, that, yeah. And this is something that actually comes back later, uh, which... Uh, we'll, we'll, well, well, I was going to that. ask we'll about that. that. Well, can so, we? Can can I ask about that? Let's ask about. That. Well, let me let me explain what yeah. happens first. So, after they get the right talent and everyone is cured of the Rigelian fever, and McCoy and Spock and uh, and Kirk are in Kirk's quarters and they're having their little wrap up moment at the yeah. very end of the episode, as we've seen many times before. Kirk falls asleep at his desk because he's very tired. Which... He's so so exhausted from grieving and from his adventure. It's implied that he hasn't sleep; that he just passes right, out. Right, and 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 his love for Reina, he it's very painful to him because she's died and all of these things. Now, I really kind of thought that the episode would end with James, and it would pan up, and oh yeah, she's a robot. He built two more. <laughs> anyway, but McCoy says something about how he wishes he could make Kirk forget the pain. Of loving Reyna. He, he goes a little further than that. Okay. But uh, now we'll, we'll finish the description. We'll go into. Uh, then, then McCoy leaves the room. Spock lingers for a moment, walks over to Kirk, does the mind meld gesture and whispers, forget. And then the episode ends. Yeah. See now. Okay. What? Where I, what is that? Where I thought this was going to go. Um. So Spock, uh, McCoy doesn't just say that he wishes that Spock, that Kirk wouldn't have the pain. You know, he says, you know, Spock, you green-blooded, alien freak, you know, you will never understand what, you know, the joys and the pains of love, and you won't know what it's like, and you're a robot, and all of that. Now, he, Spock has just witnessed a, rob- a literal robot develop emotions and die from it, but here is McCoy telling him of the, you know— in a way, the painful benefits of love. Something that yeah. Spock, although he has experienced, you know, in various incarnate in, uh, reasons and spore-related things, you know, does not experience. Where I thought it was going to go 
was Spock was going to mind meld him to get a tape to read Kirk's mind and to see what is this pain that he's feeling. A way of better understanding Kirk, a way of better understanding humanity. Spock would have been able to draw a bit of Kirk's kind of pain, just to feel that, just to know even for a moment what a human would be, and that would have been a wonderful ending. Instead, I think Spock's behind everything. Suddenly, okay, so this is not the first time that Kirk has fallen in love with somebody who has either died or otherwise had to go to the complete other end of the galaxy to do something important, right? Sure. How many times do you think Spock has done this? Do you think this is the first time that Spock has had, has erased Kirk's memory? He does it so nonchalantly. I don't think this is a new thing for him. Think about the fact that in, for example, Shore Leave was one of the earliest episodes where we saw Kirk having a woman from his past who he, who he had loved and who died and who is, you know, he grieves for. And that was played up as a very significant thing. How many more have we seen like that and how many more women have become women that he loved with or married who did die? I feel that his going very quickly into falling in love with everybody is beginning to be brain damage caused by Spock, mind-melding away every memory of these women. I think he is just kind of... I think Kirk is beginning to go insane due to Spock's memory tampering. I also think about the fact that Spock every single time says, I don't desire command. I don't want to be a commander. I don't want to be in charge of a ship. If he's able to make people forget things at will, why would he want to be the commander? He's already the most powerful person on the ship, and he, do- and he has someone to always defer to, and he's only second in line. Well... I am suddenly terrified of Spock. No. I don't buy it. And, and, and here's, here's why. Um... <laughs> Number one, it, 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 I don't think that he's making Spock forget the existence of Reyna. I always get the implication, or well, I not always, I, I, I get the implication from the end of this episode that he is more dulling the pain of the loss of her. I think I get, I get the sense that Spock is just allowing Kirk to heal a little more quickly. I don't think he's actually making him forget things. Could he do it? I don't know. I don't think so. The other thing is, it's it's an interesting mind exercise, I guess, but it doesn't seem consistent with the show that we have seen so far. And yeah, we've never seen the idea Kurt, uh, Spock go off the rails and do a Maverick mission because that he wanted to do. That was I the mean, entire plot. Well, here, of but here, but here's the thing, Richard, is that you know. You you can make. I mean, it's an interesting mind exercise. It's an interesting thought experiment. But at the end of the day, most of the show had already been filmed and recorded, and this is like the almost the end of the series. Yeah. So it's they're giving not, the reveals for the entire series. It's, at it's this point. you've talked many times before about how you wish the show was more serialized. It turns out it was. It's not, because <laughs> this is just something that happens randomly at the end of one episode and never comes up again, really. Or has it, and we're, we're being forced to mind forget. So it just, you know, I, I, don't, I don't buy it. I'm going to be honest about something, Eric. And I don't think you do either. You're just, you're just playing devil's advocate. It's season three, and I am 
desperate for things to talk about. No, I know. You're just, you're just, you're, we've talked about this episode for 35 minutes already. So, uh, no, I I just, it is a for fun thing. Most theories about TV shows are for fun thing. I just, I thought you would be a little more prouder of me getting my first like series wide Star Trek theory. Like I, I haven't, I become a Trekkie now. No. What does that take? I don't know. You're not there yet. I'm not there yet? No. Okay. No. We can talk about that in a couple weeks. Oh. Yeah, I mean, it's fine, I guess. The episode is fine. Um, The episode should have gotten a fine because it's not that great. And I think at the end of the day, uh, before we triple it out, I'm really tired of creepy hermits deciding to fuck with with the Federation for no reason. Because... So many episodes like this, yeah. and it's like, guys, this makes no sense. Like, why are you putting up with this? This is tiresome. It's a like, formula. They have to this stick is, to their formula. This is something that would not happen. You're not going to beam down to a planet, and some guy is going to be like, well, I know you're in the army and everything, but <laughs> uh, I'm just going to fuck with you because I don't like you. Like, it's just so I mean, weird. don't it's guys tiresome. in, like, you know, Mississippi, like, do that when they declare their home as a country? Um, I but, Again, it's a formula thing. I, I can see this and several other episodes as being great character conflicts, you know, and being more philosophical conflicts. But that isn't the show that – now, now it's my turn to say that isn't the show that this is. This is – Remember the original the cage was you know not was too cerebral for yeah, the yeah. for the network you and at this I point, don't think they could at this point yeah they're they're desperate to get as many people watching well so and at this a, and at this point too well I I don't even think that's true I think at this point they had just they're 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 riding okay. out the last few hours of the show and then they're all just going to go get drunk because having it's a, done yeah. at this point well either way having um, a they, I mean there was yeah. no chance the show was getting a fourth season really at this point having a philosophical conflict would. No one would be interested in that at this point. You're right; it is the drugs. And there were just there were. I mean the the entire the entire like production staff was was so different at this point that they just weren't interested in what the show had traditionally been interested in. And so I think that's a problem as well. We can get into that uh, in our next episode, "The Way to Eden." So uh, why don't we move along to that episode and triple this one out? I would give it four. It's, I don't know. It's like a negative 10. I really just, I don't know. I'm just tired of the third season and I want it to be over. Well. So let's just move on to the way to Eden. Stepping into Eden. Yay, brother. Gonna live like a king on whatever I find. Gonna pick up all the fruit and I'll throw away the rind. So I'm fairly certain that... I suffered a traumatic brain injury this morning yeah. and hallucinated an episode of Star Trek. Yeah, it was great. This is it's so good. one of the worst episodes. It's the best episode of this of show. Of any television show. And possibly of any show. Ever made. In America or in, Britain. On, on the planet Earth. Ever or in Mars television, or because that Mars has some really ever good shows. will be made. I love this episode so much. Ever. I hated this episode. <laughs> I know, because it, it, this is... This, this, this episode encapsulates <laughs> everything that is wrong with the third season of the original series. Everything that is wrong with Star Trek as a concept and as a franchise. And everything that is wrong with television. And it does it in such a 
in such a culturally like offensive way that I can't even imagine what they were thinking. I don't know what they were thinking when they wrote this episode. I don't know what they were thinking when they revised the script for this episode. I don't know what they were thinking when they decided to make this episode. I don't know what they were thinking when they filmed this episode. Eric. And I don't know what they were thinking when they decided to actually release this episode. Look, Eric, I can only the, assume yeah. that they all were drunk and didn't care anymore. I'm going to be honest. At the very end of the episode, they go to a planet where everything is made of acid. And I'm pretty sure that that explains the entire episode. I am so weary of the show at this point yeah. that I can't even describe. I, I don't, I, I just, it, it's, it's weird. I don't even, she... the thing is like, I'm, I, I was trying to think about this today and I, I just, I really don't even know how to approach talking about this episode because there are so many angles to approach it from. And all of them, I believe will be fruitful and interesting to listen to. Gonna pick up a fruit full and eat away the run. Yeah, like I, I, you know. Did they make the soundtrack of this? Because I want the soundtrack to this. I, I don't know. I've why been, why would you, why would you I've think been, I would well, ever have checked? Here's the thing. Like, I've been, like, I don't. I, this week I have been listening to a lot of Jefferson Airplane for some reason. And this is like the shitty version of that. In a really hilarious way. I mean, this is. It's one of those. This episode just makes fun of Star Trek and just doesn't. It's so inept. I again, this is high camp to me. This is just such a hilarious episode. I don't even think that it's making fun of Star Trek as a concept. I don't think that the people making the show at this point understood Star Trek as a concept and cared about Star Trek as a concept. I guess. I guess making fun of not in a deliberate way, but it's just a. I, we we said you know the show has become a parody of itself. It's even more. This is just I picture a guy in a che- in a suit with a cigar saying, "Well, you know, them kitties like Chekhov, so we'll give it." You know, this is just we. You know, maybe there's some youth culture watching the show still. Let's 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 talk directly to the youth culture. Youth culture. You, you know, need to realize that, you know, you're following some bad people, so you need to be more responsible. And who's going to tell you that but the hippest person on the show, Spock. That well, was this episode. This is the after-school special episode of Star Trek. Well, let's, let's, let's think about this for a minute because I am going to give you a little bit of background, and you may be shocked at this background. The episode was originally titled Joanna. And the episode was in the Star Trek Writer's Bible. uh, And I can see your eyes glazing over, but stay with me. Joanna was supposed to be McCoy's daughter. Okay. So McCoy was supposed to have been married, divorced. He's a little bit older than Kirk. Yeah. And uh, his his daughter was named Joanna, and she was uh, training to be a nurse. So in the episode as originally written was going to be uh, about Joanna uh, beaming onto the Enterprise with these people. Kirk would have sort of developed a relationship with her. Ew. Yeah, which is a little weird. Like, I don't... Yeah. Uh, and McCoy and Joanna, it would have been more of a McCoy episode. It would have been delving okay. into his past a little more. So instead of having Chekhov and this woman, you know, and, you know, how did you run away with these people? It's 
McCoy telling his daughter, why did you run off with these dirty hippies? Exactly. Okay. Right. And so the, 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 the hippie stuff was more in the, in the background, right? It wasn't supposed to be the point of the episode in the way that it becomes the point of the episode in, yeah. in the way that it actually was written and filmed. The other thing about the episode is that the original uh, uh, script idea uh, was DC Fontana's. And she took her name off the episode, which, <laughs> you know, you can totally understand. And by taking all of the character stuff out, which I think would have made up the bulk of the episode as filmed if she had actually written the teleplay, they don't know what to do with it. And the way that they decide to make it an episode that has an appropriate running time is to foreground a lot of the hippie stuff to make up this new character, which Chekhov has a background with, which, again, who really cares, to develop scenes where Spock is apparently a hippie yeah. and and songs. I mean, it, you know, there's probably yeah. five, six, seven, eight minutes of, of music in this episode. That's the thing. We've and none of it is good. We've seen Star Trek episodes where, you know, there has been a song where Yohara has sang something or whatever, but... It, and and when they had the one song, again, it was so – he wasn't even attempting to lip sync properly. You're hearing these, you know, nylon string acoustic guitar songs coming from this instrument that's like a crucifix with a bunch of yarn on it. Like someone else has an instrument that's like a bike wheel with right. string, you know. But, you know, so that was hilarious, and it's this super earnest 60s song. And then, you know, and he's like – he's improving here and there, like this line or two, and it's – it's I not, thought it was funny because it's exactly what a really lame, really strung out hippie who sucked would be singing at that well, see, point. But here's but here's I, my question for you: is that you say it's really earnest? I I don't think it's earnest at all. I think it's a bunch of old men who don't understand the counterculture and are making up something that they think is what they're actually doing. And for me, uh, you know, I don't, you know, it, it's, it's, maybe it's hard. Maybe within universe, Ernest. It's he, hard. He, 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 I won't be able, it's, it's, it's the total, I won't be able to see a 1969 open mic for myself. This was the next best thing of what seeing a really shitty, you know, folk singer is going to be like. Again, from that angle. I guess, but I think. I think would it be something I would seek out on my own? No. Was it completely unexpected and I laughed like crazy about it? Yes. I think, Again, it's, this... I think it's impossible to divorce. I mean, it's, 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 it's difficult to divorce a lot of original series episodes from its cultural context. And this, I think this, this one, impossible. it's impossible to. You can't do it. I mean, it is so on the nose. It may. I mean, honestly, honestly, I think. You could have had this episode be a time travel episode where they literally go back in time to San Francisco in 1969. I think that's pretty much the only way that it could have been more on the nose. Yeah, and, you have these. I loved when they like they they, they pass the guy on the bridge and he's like like grooving to the music like in a, in a total you know like beatnik fashion. I'm like, no one dances like that. No one will dance like that in the future. And it makes it makes no sense in universe. No, it doesn't. Because the Federation is is portrayed as an enlightened society which has risen above a lot of the problems that 1960s American society specifically has risen above because, of course, this was a, a, yeah. a product of 1960s America. 
you know, it, 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 it values peaceful relations with its neighbors. It, it, it values, uh, 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 you know, self-enlightenment and it values uh, intelligence. It values education. It, you know, all of these things. And so, so, so it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense that a, a really, really on the nose analogous hippie movement would even arise in this civilization. That no, is a, that. An, that's a problem. It's it's a sledgehammer episode. It's a stupid episode. They, Again, I don't I don't understand why these this group of people would would even have a problem with the Federation. I mean, it it doesn't make any sense. It's and it's supposed to. It, it's another one where the central villain has no real motivation for being a villain. I mean, literally, even in the script, because he is insane. Yeah. There's no, and we saw an episode just a few weeks ago where they have a cure for criminal insanity. That's I, you know, I, 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 I guess they ran out. Yeah, it's 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 they need to go back and get more Vitalin for it, and you know they don't want to play that game anymore. Here, but here's the thing: is we have to talk about Spock because yeah. I don't get anything that's going on with Spock in this episode. I was, was the, now this was around the time Leonard Nimoy was trying to have a music career, right? I guess. I don't know. I thought that he would sing at one point, like, but he just does this like, you know, as, as, as far as it goes, I think it does at least make a little bit of sense that he would at least be a little knowledgeable of this. I mean, I don't know. And I think what, they, I don't know what we're supposed to really, I don't know what kind of sense we're supposed to get of how widespread a group this is. Uh, now the slang, I got the sense. It was just like these people. Yeah. So it doesn't, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense that, that he would know a lot about them and it doesn't make a whole lot of sense that he would understand their slang and know how to speak it. No, he. And the slang, I, I, I hear him picking up on it. As and the it goes, sli- actually, and it's very easy to pick up on. I mean, you know, yeah, like, and he, and you could tell that Spock is saying it with quotes the entire time. Sure, that's more due to Nimoy than than the script. Yeah, in, yeah, in, absolutely. I mean, fair. yeah, I mean, let let's be fair. A- any charm in this episode whatsoever is due to the is due to the the acting ability of the cast and not due to the script. You know, I I don't, and part of it is. I would have liked them to go into this a little bit more. I can't tell how genuine their uh, uh, Adam's affection for Spock is because, you know, and his uh, name his name is Adam, and he goes to Eden, and he I, dies I, by eating poison fruit. No, 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 no. We 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 didn't. We all saw the episode. We all knew it. We picked on the subtext. We did it. I I I I. I uh, this episode has subtext. <laughs> well, not anymore. It has none. Um. I kind of figured that, you know, I don't know whether Adam genuinely respects Spock because, you know, when Spock does speak to him, you know, he does seem sincere and, you know, I don't, I, I, I get where you're coming from. Well, I, I, and Spock himself, I mean, was Spock seen as a countercultural figure? Because you have Spock, he is, he is. Spock, Spock was, Spock was definitely the most popular character in the show uh and obvious reasons and it is fine to assume that a bunch of hippies would love spock because and i think that you know as as far as it goes i think that spock's interest in them is genuine because spock is not looking at them in any sort of emotional fashion he's not he's looking at them very logically and i think you know at one point the episode i think one one of the one of the only cogent you know insights into spock's character that the episode provides is that scene on the bridge when he's talking to i believe it's kirk and and he says something about well i understand them because they feel outside of their own culture as i do 
Yeah. And that's really interesting because we've never really got a sense that we, we know that Spock feels very out of place on the Enterprise and feels very out of place in human society, but we've never got too much of a sense that he feels out of place in Vulcan society. Yeah, but and he the can't only be time, entirely at home in either. Because, right. And so, and the only time that we've ever seen him in Vulcan society is in a muck time from, from last season. And we don't really get a sense that he feels really out of place there. And, and so I, I like the episode with the Romulan commander. That's where true. They do talk a bit about, um, and while he is saying what she wants to hear, there is, there are some genuine elements of, yeah, the, you know, you're right. There are very few opportunities for, for a Vulcan, you know, there are, you know, it is difficult. Yeah, that's a good point. And I think, you know, that, that is one of the nice things about the episode, but it, it doesn't, it doesn't jive to me that he would just fall in with them. I, I Again, if I don't understand if Adam is being genuine when he likes him because everybody likes Spock, and there are reasons I think he to is. like Spock. I, th- I think he is. On the other hand, because he... Because Adam, Adam recognizes, and I think the rest of the group also recognizes, that, that Spock is taking them at face yeah. value. You know, Spock is not judging them. I think Spock realizes that they're being sincere in what they believe, and Spock, yeah. Spock appreciates sincerity, I think, you know, if you if you if you put it on a, on a pedestal, I think you know uh, he he values logic and he values reason, but I think he also values sincerity. Yeah, and I think I mean Adam does immediately say, or you know, and he says, "Oh, we're all picking one," and you know, we're kind of you know slowly getting everyone to believe in our thing, and it's clear that you know he's picked Spock and he's kind of putting Spock on, but at the same time, I think he might think, yeah, yeah, you know, Spock is working for the man, but. He plays an instrument, and he's really smart, and, you know, he's weird, you know? They they might just, you know, he's half alien. Right. They, that that alone, may, you know, is interesting. What, one of the characters, uh, one of the women in the group is is very interested by by him because he's a Vulcan. I mean, she, is, she even says that. Yeah. So I think that's probably where that's coming from. Or was that Reyna who said that? I feel like that was Reina, actually. Oh, was it? No, I think both of them actually said that. Reina Rain, okay. from Requiem from, from Methuselah, and I think someone in this episode also said okay. that. Um, and I think at this point, it's just kind of a fait accompli that people are going to be interested in him because he is an alien. Of course. Which, you know, also it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense for the way to Eden because I, I don't think that any of them were human except for Arena, but that's a side issue. But uh. let's talk about Arena because... As much as I would have liked to have seen an episode with Spock's, I'm sorry, with with McCoy's daughter, what we get with Arena isn't terrible. It's, it's the first opportunity Chekhov has had for consensual sex. Yeah. And I'm very, I love how everybody, like, at one point he's saying, you know, to Kirk, you know, oh, I used to know her. And, you know, Kirk picks up. And he's like, oh, you know, you want to. You know, go meet with her, you know, go off, you know, because Kirk finally realized, oh, good, you know, maybe if he gets a girlfriend, he won't be raping as much, you know. Um, I, I, I thought it was funny. See, I, I misheard this Herbert thing um, at what, what he – I thought they were saying pervert, and I thought it was kind of amusing that Chekhov hears her saying, we're not in the mood, pervert, and immediately recognizes her. Oh, yeah, no, that was not what they were saying. Yeah, but I mean... I see where you're going with that. Yeah, because I'm like, oh, you know, he would have heard that from her, but it the, was... The thing, the thing about Arena is weird to me because Chekhov, you know, a, a, as much as he has a personality in the original series, 
he's portrayed as a, as a, as a little bit of a, a little bit of a rakish figure. He's a little fun loving. He's young. You know, he kind of breaks the rules. He's very hot headed in this episode. He comes across as like an old man and he comes across as a stickler and it doesn't, it doesn't really make sense to, to, to me that he's coming across like that because it doesn't fit his characterization that we've seen before. On the other hand, comparatively, she's, gone from you know a regimented lifestyle to you know basically just hanging out with a bunch of hippies and he has chosen essentially a military path so even if he is the most you know screwy military guy he is still a lot more disciplined a lot more rigid a lot more doing things by the book than you know she is or that she's used to i mean i guess but i think that it's it's they're not able to we we've seen we've seen Chekhov have problems with following orders and problems with command before yeah and i don't necessarily buy that he would be this strict with her it doesn't seem to fit with his character of course and again that's because i don't think they're now you could say that perhaps he is overcompensating could be I don't know. I, I just don't think they were subtle enough to write the normal Chekhov character. That that could be. I genuinely yeah. just think it was that. Um, and they had to make it, or they had to make the conflict a little more black and white. Remember, this is an episode that points out that, you know, Adam, Eden, eating a fruit. Uh, so I, I don't, I think they needed to make that conflict be, she's wild and he's stripped. And I do, I do have to admit that in the arena and checkoff scenes, I was trying to prop my eyelids open because well, wow, I just at this point in the series, like all of this romance stuff, I know is not going anywhere, and <laughs> so it's all done so half-assedly that I just don't care, and it's not interesting at all. You don't care about the kissy stuff? No, I don't, and I never really have in the I, original I, series. Well, I, yeah, and again, as you said, it's. They're not going to be around for the next episode, so what does it really matter? Yeah, who cares? Although at the although in the Scotty episode, we really liked that. I really liked that. So true, that I is true. It, for Kirk, he has a different girl every that he marries every week, and that's really whatever at this point. You know, Chekhov, I don't care about. Scotty doesn't really get much play, so. McCoy either, but we didn't like McCoy's romance episode either, so. I don't remember his episode. For the World is Hollow and I Have Touched the Sky. I don't remember. You know, the planet that is hollow I remember is the, crashing I, into it, and there's the woman, and McCoy I don't remember is the sick, woman. and he stays there and gets married. You don't remember this. Okay, moving on. <laughs> Season three, man. Yeah, I know. What was the end of this episode trying to say? Because it was obviously trying to say something about hippies, but I don't know what. That they're choosing a that they are the ideals of you know back to nature. Uh, essentially, this episode is saying that while civilization has its problems and this disease that uh, what's his name is a carrier of is explicitly said to be a disease of civilization. Um, as many problems as civ- as technology has. Nature is still more savage and cruel, and to go back to nature is a fallacy because it will kill you much faster and much more completely than technology ever could. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I don't really get that, but it just seemed like it was supposed to be a twist ending. Well, yeah, I mean, they're searching for Eden, and it's deadly. I mean, I would take that a step further. I would say that... 
the episode is very explicitly on the side of a technologically yes. advanced civilization. The show is called Star Trek, and it features the Starship Enterprise. Of course, it is going to be in a technology-based civilization. Right, but I think, you know, if it, and, and, the, and the show has always had issues with that. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the side of Paradise, yeah. if you look at the Paradise Syndrome, mm-hmm. um, and so, it, it, I, it, I don't know, I just, I, I really... I really have a problem with the end of this episode because it is so on the nose that, and it's disturbing as well because I mean, we, we, they, they're, they're all, they, they steal a shuttlecraft and they go down to this planet and, and all of the life forms, the, the plant life on the planet is, is, is covered in acid or something. By the way, I don't know how the order of everything worked on this because you would think that like they're. Feet would burn off before he got a chance to eat the. But anyway, you, you would th- maybe he was wearing shoes. I don't know. Yeah, but they weren't, and you, you know, I don't know. Who who cares? Uh, <laughs> really? At the I mean, really, who cares <laughs> about the plot of this episode? Um, but 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 you know, they they're all, they steal the shuttlecraft and they go down to the planet, and uh, at the very end of the episode, they beam down and they find the guy who's dead because he ate the apple, and his name is Adam. And oh my God, he's on Eden. He ate the plant. You know. And then they're all like huddled in the shuttlecraft with these, these horrible burns on them, and it's very disturbing. It was some fairly graphic makeup work, yeah. And so, to me, it seems like the show is going a little too far in the other direction in this episode. Well, again, nature is that deadly that you can't even set foot on it without it killing you. It's it's weird. It's it's a yeah, it was a very extreme episode in this regard. You have a bunch of essentially Luddites who are shown to be so wrong. Yeah. It's not just a misunderstanding. It's not just that, you know, they get to Eden and they find it's, you know, everything has dead. And, you know, I mean, yes, you can't go back to paradise. That is a thing. Um, You know, you need to progress. You need to, you know, society needs to move on. Those are things. But... The grass burns your feet off. It's a little, like I said, the the well, it's the, on the nose. It was not a route worth an episode. What what what? I know you've we, you you've talked a little bit about the music in the episode already, but I, I'm curious to get your opinion of it uh, because it obviously is terrible, and it's terrible yeah. in a very specific '60s way. Yeah, just. In terms of, I really like music, and sometimes bad music is really funny. I found well, it is. I mean, I will say, that I was not laughing with the episode. It's well I was, done. Oh, it, for what it is to be a cigar smoking fat dudes impression of what sixties youth culture music sounds like. It was funny. Again, I wasn't laughing with the episode. I was laughing at it. Yeah, I, and. I, I, I totally understand why you dislike the episode from that thing because this is an episode that's real. I loved it because it was really funny to mock. I, I And yeah, I can see having that love and viewing Star Trek is kind of special. This is almost like pissing on that show. Well, I, you know, I, I, I do have to, I, I have to back you up from that a little bit because Star Trek is very, not very frequently stupid, but it's, it's, it is stupid sometimes. And gee, I haven't watched to, the entire original series already to know that <laughs> to, to really love Star Trek in the way that only a Trekkie can. I think yeah. you have to have a, a, a patience and an appreciation for the stupidity of Star Trek. 
I just feel like this episode in particular is because I've liked stupid episodes of this show. Yeah. You know, I like Spock's brain. I, I don't, you know, I, I don't have a problem with the show yeah. being stupid if it's funny and well done. Um, yeah. And- my, my problem with this episode is that it feels very mean spirited. And that's really mm, the end okay. of it, I think, where it's making fun of real people who had real problems with American society. And the problems were real. Let's not forget that. And and American society of the 1960s had some really, really bad racial problems. Oh, yeah. Like violence we had a horrible war going on it was 1969 there there was uh uh uh, the cold war going on i mean people were afraid that they were going to be annihilated in their homes and and to to so completely neuter that opinion and because you don't like the way that they dress and you don't like that the music you don't like the music they listen to and you don't like the way that they live their lives seems so antithetical yeah to star trek as a concept and as a franchise that i find this episode almost like morally unconscionable that's fair i i I know we talked about similar ideas to this with this side of paradise i mean that was the you know i think i said that was don draper looking at hippies you know in that episode that was the mainstream culture looking at because and that was and that was television uh, culture as weird as star trek was the production team was very mainstream America at that yeah, point. absolutely. but at, but at the same time, that was a that was a smart was way a of looking fair at it. Episode. It was a fair episode, and it was a nuanced take on that. This is none of these things. no, the, but the I, I, the the show feels like it has just gone old and crazy in a lot of ways. And this is why it had it didn't make it another season. I mean, to, to the, the, the these things, yes, the epi- the episodes do suck for these reasons, and that's. I would say I'm glad that the show had no more seasons at this point. Oh yeah, I it, it, it needed to be we it needed to be put out the we pasture. Need, we need we needed to shoot Old Yeller at this point. You yeah, know? it's just it's just painful to watch. Well, we've got uh, two more episodes of Trek about to go in the original series. We've got four episodes in the original series left to go. We can do it. We can make it. Listen, I have to ask you something. Okay. Um, wait. Well, let's triple this out. Okay. Uh, I would I'd like a negative a thousand an triples. It's triple episode. So so terrible. Eight triples. I so love awful. this because this was just so just bad ter- shit just crazy. Awful, awful episode. It was episode. the stupidest thing. It was really, just a really lot of morally fun objectionable. And the best episode no. of the series terrible. ever made. What's your question? Um. So I was. Going through, because I wanted to see how many episodes were left, and I was looking at the Netflix. Sure. And it has, you know, the thing, you know, so it has a little picture from each episode. Mm -hmm. And in one of the episodes, it looked like, and and this may sound stupid, and, you know, maybe I'm just, I could be very mistaken. Okay. And if, please don't make fun of me if I'm mistaken. Is Abe Lincoln a guest star in one of the upcoming episodes? Is that what's going to? It, is it? Please tell me it's just a guy who looks like Abe. Is there? Is, is it? We mean Is there a space John Wilkes Booth? Is that what's going to happen? I'm going to, I'm going to let you discover that for yourself. Oh. I'm not going to confirm or deny that. Oh God, you would deny it if it weren't true. I may not. Oh no, I may not. But I will tell you something, and this will probably be a clue for you. 
That episode was written by none other than Gene Roddenberry. Oh, no. Well, what are the names of the two episodes coming up so I can... So next week, we are uh, the second to last episode that we're going to cover the original series in. We are going to be covering the Cloud Minders. Oh, no. And the Savage Curtain. So we'll see you then.